y'all. This is Taria. And Akis. And this is Columbus Can't Wait. Either do politics. Or politics do you. Yo, so once again, we're recording this episode of Columbus Can't Wait at the Dreamcatchers Recording Studio out here on the east side. They really got it sounding our best, don't you think, Taria? Yeah, I feel like they do. Aside from recording music in every genre from country to hip hop to traditional Hawaiian ukulele. They obviously record other things like the podcast we're doing right now. Word. So if you want to sound your very best, there's really only one place to be, and that's right here at the Dreamcatchers Recording Studio. You can find more info and check them out at Instagram at the Dreamcatchers REC Studio. Word, Taria. How you feeling today? Mm, this week has just been long. Very, very long. Long as fuck. Halloween for the children today. So I just been doing a lot, you know. My best friend gets married this weekend. Mm, shout out to the bestie. Yeah. So <laughs> she's actually okay, so she's actually marrying one of my other best friends. Oh, it's lit. Did you and put them I together? I put them together, yeah. Oh shit. Look yes, at you. I did. So you could you can put them together, but Listen, I I I'm like like three for three at this point. Well, nigga, <laughs> <laughs> help me. <laughs> I'm not gonna put your your business out That's on the crazy. podcast to the world, but I, from what I saw, gotcha. you had have something in the pipeline, so it don't seem crazy. like you need me. But you know, I'm always available to you as your friend. You know, to be a matchmaker, my um. Services do not come with guarantees. Mm. However, you know, I do try my best. And as I said, I have a very good success rate. Maybe my next career will be, you know, a dating service or something of that nature. Mm. Do I get to do I get to to count my own relationship? Is no. My, my uh no especially winning. because didn't you say that dev was on you and you was like eh, i don't really know the, the listen understand that nothing would have moved without me right like yes. I, <laughs> no like, nigga, that's I, not how this works yes it does <laughs> that's the well, you don't get credit for none like, of the other relationships yes, it that does. You put together if in. i if i if i wasn't if i hadn't said like yeah you know let's you see ridiculous. what's up then you know no, there would be no Palmers. If he no had child. to say, yo, what's up, then there would be no Palmers either. You right. I so guess. you don't get credit for that. <laughs> so we're giving him credit for stepping up yeah, and, you... and making his... Okay, I can give him credit for that. Because he... he The thing about him is that he made his intentions known from day one. And he was like, I can make you the happiest girl in the world. And I was like, that is bold as fuck. Wait, he like, said who that? Is, like, what are you, what Wait, you, that shit worked? That's what he said, yeah. He was like, I'm going to make you the happiest girl in the world. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no one's ever been that bold. And no one's ever said that to me. Because, like, you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, don't know what it takes. Like, audacious as fuck. But he I was right. Like that, I feel like that's something that people just say. It's like a pickup line. Like, oh, I'll give you the moon. No, nah, he was dead ass. That's he was dead ass. And he did. Girl in the world? Yeah. Yep. All right, salute to Dev. That's my man. guy, Dev Draper. Yeah, he. I mean, let's be clear. Like, he does get on my nerves too. And you didn't have to say that part. <laughs> like, you could have no, left yes, that I out. No, yes, I do have to say that. I do have to say that you because people that think out. that 
you know, or they see you on Instagram or Facebook or they see you out in public and they think, oh, everything's perfect. Like, no, that's not how it is. We are just two people who happen to find each other and be the right people who found each other. But we, every day, it's work. That's wild. But that's my guy, though. I feel like we talk about Dev every single fucking that's episode. That's okay. And when you get somebody, we'll be talking about them, too. Dude, so no. until then. Every episode. Until then. Yo, my girl. Mind your business. My girl. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Every Every episode Every you can episode, bring her up. Man. You can bring yeah, it up. Damn, he needs a credit. He needs a credit on this. He does. He he should. The the beat in the beginning is his beat. He Facts. does have a credit. Hey, shout out to Dev Dripper. He man. does have a credit. Now, well, now so you're mad about us talking about him every episode. No. But would I be coming in here with the attitude if I if you know if 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 my home life was all messed up? Maybe. Mm, that's a good Maybe. point. Maybe. That's a good point. So you're saying that we should give Dev credit. For us having such a great show. Yes. Okay. Shout I wouldn't to be Dev. able to show up here every week without, <laughs> like, literally without him. Nah, I, I feel that for sure, man. Yeah, we just Dev had, is one of my we favorite just critters. Had our, um, we just had our black, um, protecting black women Facts. panel this past weekend. And he saved the day. And we talked about black men. And I'm just in here trying to give a black man his props for doing what he's supposed to be doing. And he saved the day for that event, too. He How got the sound all together. Oh, because he got the sound all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to that. He was one of my favorite, like, creators before I knew that he was your husband. Oh. Yeah, like, I didn't even put two and two together. That y'all was, so, like, obviously I knew about you through the conglomerate or whatever. But I knew about Dev. Even all right, this is wild, and we ain't gonna go too much of a tangent. <laughs> but like, my entryway into like the creative space probably was uh, with to the Drummers Beat podcast, and um, the first guest that we had onto the Drummers Beat was Corey Parks. Right. And the person mm-hmm. that was doing all of Corey Parks' music and his visuals, which is what caught our attention, was Dev. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. it's like it's just always been there. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's at this point like. Got many, many, many years in. Yeah, in the nah, creative space he's here. one of the unspoken titans here in Columbus. You know, what I mean, he's quiet though. Yeah, he don't. that's why I said unspoken. I mean, that's why you know, that's why a lot of people don't know that we're married because he don't be like, you know, my wife is this beautiful, amazing, smart woman to everybody. <laughs> so you know, people don't be knowing. Oh my god. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> hey, shout out to Dev. You know, um, Tariq didn't ask me how I'm doing, so I'm going to just tell the I, listeners. Well, he didn't even give me a chance. <laughs> We've been talking for Malcolm. 10 minutes. Yo, she told us how, how her husband was because, doing. Because you know what? If, if, you, if you listen to last week, you didn't ask me how I was doing until 20 minutes us. in. So last week. I'm talking about last wow. week. So don't be trying to act all thoughtful. Malcolm, how you doing? Um, how you doing? I'm here to ask you. What's up? How you doing? Can I be honest? Is this a safe space? Yes. Man, listen. <laughs> right before I came in here, I found out I saw short ass little Wayne standing next to 45 with a goofy grin on his face. Messed up your day, didn't it? Uh, bruh, fucked up my whole, my whole this day. Morning, was I woke up. up this morning. I got up early. I went to the gym at six o'clock. I was in the gym lifting to Lil Wayne. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot, people don't know, a lot of people know me for Drake and Kanye and Hove. But Lil Wayne is right up there, bruh. Yeah, like, so that's my. Bruh, like, how did the same nigga that made Georgia Bush be out here talking about, oh, Trump is aight? He's not the same. Platinum plan? He's not the same. He's not the same person. Whatever, bro. But because back then, you know, 12, 15 years ago, he had about 47 locks in his head. Now he only has. <laughs> 
six, and that's why I feel like he's acting like this. If you only like... had six locks on your head, I see you growing up. I see you growing something up there. If you only had six and the rest were broke off, would you be upset? Man, listen. They might have something in common. Hair. Bad hair. All I'm going to say is that <laughs> 2020 keeps on taking Right. Yeah, 2020 keeps on it playing. It keeps on taking. It, it took Kobe, and it's just been downhill since. Bruh, how they take Kobe than the nigga that made the Kobe song, bruh? Like, yep. And then he had nasty, on, like, yo, bruh. in the picture with him and Trump, he had on, like, this weird, look like, be pissed again. shirt, sweater combo that was, like, it, it was just very ill-fitting and weird and not very, like, Lil Wayne-ish. Yeah. I just... I, I don't have much to... I mean, what is there to say? I mean, Lil Wayne has made some comments prior to this. He has, but I could... I could about play those black up women, because to... he don't really... He oh, don't I didn't really hear those comments. black women like that. I not, didn't hear those comments. Not like black women who were darker than me, like my shade or darker, or maybe, my, maybe I could get a pass, but he doesn't... He has made it very clear that he does not appreciate... Why is his neck so wide? Like, Heron, I don't know. That turtleneck, I don't know. Oh he might God. be high, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to just lean you on know, that. Not driving, I man. might be, I might, he might have just did too much plan, lean plan. and they guided him to the White House and he just ended up there. We need to talk to his handlers. That's how I feel. Because I'm just not accepting it. I'm disgusted. Bro. I did too, I, I did too much enjoying myself strolling all kinds of things to Lil Wayne's music we grew up on his music all the way back from <laughs> Hot Boys I'm just not gonna accept this I'm not I don't even know what you're talking about right now I don't know what we just talked about for the last five minutes cause bruh, I'm not gonna at least it. 70% of my favorite songs are Lil Wayne no. songs bro yep. I'm not, I, I told you I'm not gonna accept it you know he told us Six months. He told us actually more than six months ago, years ago, that he was very pro cop. I asked him what he thought about Black Lives Matter. I would let I I kind of let him slide on that. Let it slide. Let let it slide. slide. And then he slid right off to the White House. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) But 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 but. Lil Wayne doing this has taken a lot of heat off of Kanye. And no, it has. And no, I'm talking about off of his hive. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot more uh, Lil Wayne fans in 2020 than there are Kanye fans in 2020. And now all the niggas that Kanye was fans on my are neck. Kanye fans. No, like, I, I am no, still a Kanye no, fan. No, no, no. I'm saying all the people that was on my neck for being a Kanye fan, now they have to share the burden no, of your favorite you're, rappers. No, because you're an active Kanye fan. But like, I'm, saying, I'm a latent No, no, no. You're Con- not hearing Kanye what I'm saying. Fan. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying that as a Kanye fan... Who and he was supporting Trump, that like people were like, oh, how you support him under Trump? But now as a Lil Wayne fan, you understand the same position that I've been in for the last four years. You see what I mean? And there's a I'm lot of those niggas. I'm trying to understand you. I listen. You don't get what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying, I, you you asking me to accept something that I just found out about that just very deeply <laughs> offensive to me. We just, just found out about it two look, hours ago. I have empathy you for you. You want me to, to synthesize this no, information? I, I just saw empathy. Lil Wayne with Donald Trump. I have empathy for you is what I'm trying to say. I just wish you could 
understand now where I'm coming from. I'm telling you, I just from. need time to process. It's all good. Hey, no, but we got process. a good, uh, <laughs> we got a good episode coming up though. Wait, is there yeah. anything else you want to talk about before we introduce introduce our guests? No, I mean, you know, if I did, you already went on. With have you voted yet? No, I have not. I haven't voted yet either. I'm going to probably tomorrow. I think I'm voting on Tuesday. Oh, I'm not doing that. My voting location mm-hmm. is right across the street from my house. And Take a pistol I, with you. Huh? Oh, I'm, just... I'm, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to say where I live at, but I don't think it's going to be that type of drama there. I don't think so either, but... I I don't trust I don't trust day of like I I'm saw the lines worried. last week. No, I'm gonna go like first thing in the morning, like at seven, maybe even like at six. Cause it's right across the street. Fools wake up at six. You said what? I said fools wake up at six. I just don't trust. I woke it. up at six not, this morning. I'm not going to even be in it in the vicinity of. You know, I I think that I have done my duties my election and mobilization duties i just saw i I don't know that i'm gonna i I mean maybe i'll do something but it won't be like sitting at a polling i saw the line last week at the board of elections i said (laughs) well that's how they suppress the vote you know they make Mm -hmm. it so that you have you can there are other places in this country that you can early vote and there's not just one location in a city and they right. have way less people than what we do. Right. But yeah, we only have one place that you can go in Franklin County to vote. Again, voter suppression. Not for sure. People wrapped around, it's cold, you know. Some people some people who are already on the fence about participating will be like, It's too damn cold out here, I'm going home. And bruh, that's you know, why I'm voting if on election on day. Fence. I think so, I'm pretty sure. Yes. But what I say though, on that note, I'm so glad that we're doing this podcast. I'm glad for this episode. Like I'm, I'm honestly kind of looking forward to the end of the election season because I'm tired of getting all these fucking text messages. But I'm tired of that too. I'd be really thinking people care about me and texting me, dog. and it's Ted from <laughs> the Democratic Party. Hey, and before we go <laughs> on, some of these text messages have been really fucking nasty, egregious. I don't know who needs to hear this, bro. But stop using Breonna Taylor's name in these text who messages and, and George Floyd's name in these text messages. Saying, Hi, it's time with the Ohio VRC. Hi, it's Lauren with the Ohio Democrats. I'm getting them even on my work cell. It's but nasty. I didn't see any that mentioned Brianna's name because I would have texted them back like, excuse me, bitch, yeah. what yeah. did you just say? That would upset me. Exactly, that's what I'm so. saying, bro. Like, don't, don't, bro. She didn't ask to be in any of y'all's text messages. She was just trying to t- sleep. Like, she wasn't a, leave she's not alone. a martyr. No. She's a murder victim. And there's a difference. She is. And she's gone now, and she didn't ask to be in anybody's text thread about voting. So it's like, I mean, we didn't do what we needed to do. Um, And by we, I'm talking about, not we, I'm talking about Daniel Cameron. So at this point, just let her rest. Shit. Um, But I'm looking forward to just what um, our civic responsibility looks like after the election's over yeah so that's what the episode is about today do you oh shit i didn't even mean to transition like that yeah well you did wonderfully great job (laughs) do you want to tell the people who's who are who is going to be on the show today yeah we have the wonderful we need to come up with the adjective for her we have the wonderful dynamic we have the dynamic morgan harper 
on Columbus Can't Wait for the second time, our first reoccurring guest. And for- Energizer Bunny. She be everywhere. You saying she's, she's in energy- she, she is, is at the polls. At, uh, she has a battery. I feel like she has the unseen battery. She's at like, the March on Morris last weekend. <clears throat> you Would know you how Energizer Bunny has that battery in his back? I feel like Morgan has batteries. Like, You're showing your age. The kids do not know who the Energizer Bunny is. Well, they is. ain't listening to this. That's just like <laughs> even their demographics. So they can just go on. Uh, I feel like she has batteries like in her ankles and like oh behind her God. elbows that like give her all this energy, but. Word. I won't tell you about my um, Energizer Bunny night recurring nightmare that I have. I'll tell you off off air. Joining Morgan, we have my special, my brother, my frat brother, uh, one of my favorite polit- well political figures. His name is Jordan Hawkins. He works for the Ohio Democratic Party. It's I do. Deputy it's a deputy engagement, engagement director. director. At Ohio Democratic Party. You know, I have a story to tell you about me not knowing the particulars about that man. But I cannot tell it on this podcast. Just remind me to tell you. (laughs) It's very entertaining. I hear you. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, this is going to be... I'm looking forward to it, man, because these are two... I mean, you already said everything you had to say about Morgan. And Jordan, he actually works for the Democrats here in Ohio. And uh, I be giving him smoke all the time. I be like, bruh. And he'd be like, listen, man, we working. And I think that the listeners are going to hear, like, some of the ways that they working, you know? Yeah, two super smart people, and it's sure to be an engaging conversation for y'all. Fish show. How are you guys feeling? Like, are you guys? Uh, I don't know anymore. I really don't. I'm kind of, I told myself after this weekend, because um, I had four events up in Cleveland, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, and they were in-person events. Hence the reason why I'm getting tested tomorrow, just to be sure. But, um, yeah, literally, like, just after this weekend, it's just so much burnout, but you still have one more week. You know, it's, it's really that last, second, fourth quarter. You got to keep pushing, and, yeah, it weighs on you. But we're kind, we're all kind of ready for, the t- for this to be over, I'm noticing. Like, staff and people I talk to all the time on different campaigns are all ready, but every single day this week has just felt like an eternity. So mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of like the finality of everything, just every single day, that last moment, you just have to make the most of it, so... I looked at the calendar earlier, and I was like, oh, shit. The election is next Tuesday. Like, Does it feel like Hell Week? Oh, wait, y'all, are y'all? Not Hell Week. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what that is. What is that? Yeah, yeah. me either. My statue limited. Never mind. Uh, me either. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> hey, we didn't introduce you guys. Every time we think that that statue is gone, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. This is a... Uh, Columbus can't wait. We have uh, Morgan Harper back on the podcast for the second time. Our first repeat guest. Ooh, and then we have... Into the... Oh, to the... Sorry. Every time. <laughs> no. I'm going to do it every time. It's cool. And then we have a, a dear friend of mine um, who works for the Ohio Democratic Party, Jordan Hawkins, here What's on the good? podcast for the first time. What's good? What's good? Uh, Jordan, what you do you for... do? For ODP. Okay. <laughs> so who are you, Jordan? I am the who are you? What do you How'd do? How'd you get Why in are here? You here? <laughs> right. Who do you know here? Um, so I am the deputy engagement director for the Ohio Democratic Party. And what that the heck official. does that mean? Yeah, it sounds official, but let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of folks, obviously, because of the 2020 campaign that have just come on board and just started working in Ohio. I've just started to 
work within the Black community and work within our communities to organize, to do phone banks, canvases, et cetera. Um, me working at the party, I've been doing this kind of stuff and trying to develop engagement programs and voter outreach programs in the Black community in Ohio uh, since, since mid-2019, since we started talking about all those, you remember all those different candidates we had, people remember Andrew Yang and Cory Booker and all those folks uh, being in the race at Barely that time. Barely remember Cory Booker. <laughs> Hey, yeah, right. hey, chill. Quit trying to sneak this. <laughs> but um, literally, like, those folks, um, I, you know, we all worked with their campaigns, too, and we were trying to get Ohio to this point that we're at now, hence the reason why we're having this conversation. So most of what I do is uh, developing engagement programs. How do we work with different uh, activists in the community, with different elected officials in the community? How do we work with different coalitions of people, whether it's young voters, college voters, young black voters like ourselves, how do we work within these coalitions to, to do voter outreach, uh, to build a network so that that way we're engaging people about why they need to vote, you know, having fun programs. Like I said, over this past, this past weekend, I had four different events in Cleveland and they were all pretty much uh, get out the vote, um, drive to the polls or parade to the polls events. So those are the kind of things I do um, at the party and what I have been doing and trying to work, work up to this point uh, since 2019, so. So it is official. Yeah, it sounds official. it's pretty official. They pay me, cool, I guess. Cool. <laughs> and Morgan, we've had you on before, before the folks who did not hear what was in our first episode. Can you sort of explain who you are, your new organization, and kind of what you're doing in the community? Yeah, so I'm Morgan Harper. I ran for Congress as a grassroots candidate. Um, during the primary season. Uh, so that was the first big voting push that went from the election in March to the pandemic hit, and it was April. Um, and then since then, I kind of picked back up with my policy life and then continued a lot of the stuff that we were doing during the campaign. So I'm working for a national organization called American Economic Liberties Project, which is the antitrust and sort of like thinking through the policy uh, approaches to limit the consolidation of corporate power and how much control they have over the economy and also our democracy. So it sort of connects to the like not taking money from corporations, which was one of my key messages during the campaign. Um, and then also started a group, Columbus Stand Up, which is a, a grassroots organization, nonprofit that focuses on community engagement, direct service, helping people just get the basics, masks, food, whatever. Um, and then organizing people to identify, like, what are our key issues and what, what information and what priorities are you taking into vote? Because as I'm sure, you know, Jordan knows a lot, we all have heard, you know, always are inundated with this message of like, vote, 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 vote. But I'm really focused on getting people to like, be in a position where they can say, what am I voting for? Critically thinking about the candidates that they're, they're applying that priority to, and then being able to eventually hold them accountable if they don't actually do what you wanted them to do. But that's right. like a long term vision we got to get people oriented towards. No, yeah. for sure. So that kind of, I feel like that comment kind of goes into one of our initial questions, which was if Joe Biden is elected. And if we see Dems win local seats, um, what is the plan to mobilize, energize, and thoughtfully respond to the black and brown constituents 
um, particularly in this city, in a way that is not limited to just lip service, because I've found that that is a lot of when I talk to people who say that they're not voting right, that's one of the things that they say. It's not going to do anything. I mean, they said that they were going to do this thing, you know, eight years ago or 12 years ago or whatever, and it didn't happen. And so I think a lot of people feel disenchanted by the process. So I guess I'm asking, like, since we are, you know, at this point, when this episode comes out, the election will be, you know, the next day or over. What's the plan after the election happens, after the um, candidate for uh, who wins the presidential um, race is announced? Let me, to kind of engage with some of the, the premise of your question, um, one, definitely to speak about lip service and how people are kind of um, disillusioned by, or in the process of voting or disillusioned to vote particularly and just squarely support one party. I think we're seeing that recently. If you've been on Twitter, uh, you saw Lil Wayne uh, um, posted over there. I was going to ask you about fine. that. Yeah, uh, I was gonna where, about can we roll it all back? <laughs> Can we just oh, roll, you, are, you just said it, so we to, might as well just go on ahead and address we, the foolishness. We might as well. We might as well. <laughs> oh, but God, I will bro. say that the collective and Morgan and, and Malcolm, they, they know me, so they know I'm a straight shooter. And even though, you know, I am paid by who I am paid by and I work where I work, I'm a real straight shooter and I'm real honest, especially when it comes to black issues. Um, there are people who are disenchanted or disillusioned with the process of voting and supporting Democrats unabashedly. They have a right to do so, and I have no sort of uh, no sort of point to dissuade people from understanding that. Hey, yeah, we need to be more critical of any and all parties and all institutions that are working in our community because if we're not, you know, what are we really? So we don't know what we're so we're blindly supporting something. We need to stand for something as a community, and I think and Morgan can talk about this too. Too often, and we know this as black people, the old saying, you know, not everybody who is who is skin focused can folk. Same time, you know, not everybody who just claims to be, you know, a Democrat is going to be actually out here advocating for black and brown communities. So when we ask ourselves, about it. what are we going to do after the election? Um, I think it was AOC, I think it was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, who was quoted yesterday um, in an interview as saying like, hey, Day after the election, we have to turn our fights and turn our sights, um, especially if Democrats are going to win and if Joe Biden mm -hmm. is going to take the White House. OK, we need to start coming and we need to start applying pressure as black people, especially as young black people who are a little bit different from our older from the older folks in our community. We got to start coming with some heat immediately and start putting pressure on those folks who we just got into the White House. And I'll say mm -hmm. that two more times who we just got into the White House. We need to apply pressure to the people who we just got into the White House, into these positions of power. And so I will say while the election and everybody's like, oh, this battle has been brewing up to this point and the day after, you know, what are we going to do? Well, that's when the real work starts. That's when we really need to start thinking about who are, who are in these positions that we put here and how can we as a community and a people cash in on the fact that we invested in them and we put our votes behind them and we got them over the finish line? Especially when you're talking about a Joe Biden or a Biden administration 
that has a lot of historic momentum behind them to do very big things. And I'm not going to go any further than that because I feel like Morgan could also talk about that as well. But when we want to talk about what we're going to do the day after the election, people need to stop having this idea that you can take a break, drop your guard, do whatever. That's when you really need to come to the table because I'm telling you, a lot of these folks are not going to move as aggressively on issues that we need them to move aggressively on if we do not stand up there on day one or at the day after they win and actually yell about it, actually scream about it, actually advocate for it and hold them accountable. So from, right, my, so from my vantage point, that's what we have to do. Yeah, so we need to keep our foot on the gas, basically. Well, yeah, and, the, and you know, and kind of, I, I agree with pretty much everything Jordan said. And, and what your question gets at, Tria, is this idea that people have some expectations for elected officials. I personally do not, you know, I mean, like, I think if anything of our, you know, the generation of political leadership that we have grown up in has shown us is we really have no reason to. Our only expectation of them should be the expectation that we have of ourselves. And if we haven't organized to apply pressure to, act, to make specific asks of them, then they will not prioritize anything that we need or are asking for. So, the, the, I would turn the question around. It's like, okay, you know, why should I vote or what should I be doing? Like, does it matter? It's like, it only matters to the extent that you're willing to like put some real energy behind that. And it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what a lot of grassroots politics and people who are running grassroots campaigns are trying to get at is that you will have more, let's say, you know, authentic leaders, like, like an AOC that like naturally gets into these positions and just does kind of the thing that, you know, we hope our elected officials would do. But the reality is not everybody that gets into politics is like that. I think certainly if we look at our local and state politics, that is, that is not the situation that we have a bunch of people that are just looking to like do whatever it takes for the people, be damned, whatever might come of their career. And so really we do have to like pick up that, that piece of the organizing and start to make some real demands. Cause you know what Jordan was getting at too is like, it is a recognition of power. We have the power things will shift when we don't shut up about them, especially when we are one of the most powerful voting blocks in the Democratic Party. And Morgan, to add on to that, I think, you know, since we're talking about Columbus and we're talking about Central Ohio here, um, this election is going to serve as honestly like the start of a lot of new chapters in Columbus politics and in our community. I mean, literally like this primary this past year, our Democratic primary, I mean, Morgan came in and made a lot of noise and has made a huge shift in a lot of the, the dichotomy of how people are talking about addressing um, a lot of the folks who honestly are, name, are household names for people here who are mm -hmm. Democrats. And honestly, how do we get more out of those folks and how do we turn a page onto new leadership because folks who are in there now are not always going to be there. So when you're, looking after, when you're looking at what do you do the day after Election Day 2020, well, here in Columbus and here in Central Ohio, you may run into a position where we may have a Democratic, uh, you know, county prosecutor. And we may have a situation where now we have, you know, all of our delegation to the state house um, for the state senate and state house are all Democrats. So now you have an entire county that's pretty much run by the party that black people statistically have chosen as the party that most aligns with our values and has fought for us. So now what are we going to do? You know, mm -hmm. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of races coming up in 2022 and 2023. You have redistricting coming up. The state house, the state line, the house lines for congressional districts and for the house are gonna be completely different. And so that's gonna open up, that's gonna open up a lot of new avenues for people who are in certain positions right now um, or who are in the community fighting 
for people to make decisions on, hey, what are we going to do? Because now Franklin County, Central Ohio, is going to have a lot of political power. And we have a community here uh, that is suffering. We have a lot of people in our community who need more out of our politicians. And now that it's all Democrat, okay, we're the Democratic Party. We're people who believe in this. What you going to do? What are we going to do? And I think we're going to see something in the next couple of years where there's, there's going to be a shift here in Columbus and here in Central Ohio politically. So one of the things this election cycle, well, really all election election cycles, but this one in particular is kind of like resonated with me, is the fact that people are saying you have to go vote, you have to have your voice heard. And I don't know, I kind of have a problem with that messaging because it says that after you vote, there's nothing more that you can do. And something that you guys have both said, you know, after everybody's elected, you have to keep the pressure on. My question is, what does that look like to keep the pressure on in between the elections? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, it can look like a lot of different things. One, I'm going to shout out an event that we're having the day after the election. So on, no on November 4th, there's a group of progressive, different progressive organizations, and then just community members across Central Ohio that are going to be coming together in a socially distant outdoor setting uh, at the state house to, to, to say, okay, hey, we just, you know, got through this wild four-year period. We won't know exactly, you know, maybe we'll have clarity on the fourth, but it's not clear if we'll have clarity about the presidential race on the fourth. But at a minimum, we need to be coming together and saying like, yo, this is what we stand for about transition to power about our democracy, but then also, and here's some policies that we believe are important to make sure that this is truly like a turning point for our country and not just, you know, electing a different person and a continuation of the status quo. Because like Jordan was saying, and, and we're all putting the work in, right? Like, yes, we all want to put a stop, or not all, but a lot of us, not Lil Wayne apparently, but a lot of us want to put a stop <laughs> to the Trump administration. Um, but that that's just that's just the beginning, right? Like we really have to start addressing some of these things that have also been problems within the Democratic Party. And so that's going to be an event that's happening right away. That's a little bit like what that pressure can look like. Uh, I mean, that pressure also looks like continuing to run for things and have people that are running like every cycle. So, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of attention this cycle on like the primaries with the presidential candidates that, you know, I was in a primary for a federal race, but like we already have people that have announced they're running for city council in 2021, right? We got to start looking at them. We got to start asking them questions. They're going to be developing their platforms now and they need to be saying something about police too. What's going to be their position, you know, on police reform. So mm -hmm. the work doesn't stop in that way. There, it's a combination to me of like actions of continuing to recognize that we have candidates that are running all the time. Um, and then also, you know, organizations like certainly Columbus Stand Up, you know, I'm trying to think too strategically about how we engage the community in a way to like be prepared to have those conversations with candidates. Uh, and then also, you know, think about um, like voting and, and all that stuff down the line as well. Yeah, I think everything Morgan said is, is 100%. Like, I, you know, she knows this. I'm, I'm right there with her. Um, and I definitely will be right there with her today after talk, having these conversations. I think it also goes uh, where we have to honestly take ourselves is to a place where we're focusing on, okay, what is the 
clear disconnect between the average person who works nine to five and who has to maybe work two or three jobs and who's not making that much money. Uh, but what is the disconnect between the average person who we want to vote, who we need to vote, who we know if they do vote, you know, our politicians are going to have to make some changes um, versus somebody who's really involved, like all of us at this point, who are pretty high, who are pretty highly educated. Like we are high information uh, engaged people at this point. We have to focus on talking to people in the community and bringing uh, the issue of this is why who represents you is important to them, right? And so part of that, what we call that is voter education. And so you have to make sure that as, you know, these politicians, they come in and a lot of people will, will, will try to get your vote and talk to your community only when they want your vote. And then they'll go away and go back to their back rooms and, and make their deals. But I definitely think it's about folks in the community who can kind of bridge that gap and who can, who can talk to those folks and who can at least show folks, hey, this is what they do. This is how you hold them accountable. This is what, this is what they need to stand for because this is what we know as a community impacts our uh, our folks the most, and this is where we need our politicians to kind of go on that. I definitely think as a collective, us just continuing that effort, despite, you know, when an election day is or when somebody's announcing they're going to run for X, Y, and Z, I just think it's about us continuing that. And we have to get people to understand, hey, this is how, you know, having this state rep not vote for this is going to impact you. This is how having your, your congressional representative approve X, Y, and Z versus not voting for this. How is this going to impact you? Or this is what they've done, but this is what they're having done. you got to show people that. you got to bring politics to their front door. And I think that's another thing that we have to do if we're going to keep the pressure up on people in between elections and during elections. Right. And I think that there's, I mean, there's been times where I've seen things happen where it seems like, you know, city council or the mayor was trying to like engage people in, in different things and like specifically like um I think maybe it was a year ago when they found a new police chief and they had all these things across the city where they had people come talk and they had a consultant and they wrote down all of the these you know recommendations that people had and then they ended up hiring someone who was already internal which was Chief Quinlan and then we had you know all of these uprisings happen this summer where people were brutalized by the police and for me I hope that that was I mean I've seen some things that I feel like make me think that there was a lesson learned from that um but a lot of my questions are like okay so what are the substantive ways like what what are the ways that the city is or organizations like Columbus Stand Up are going to respond to the specific events that happened like this summer around um, police violence and the community rising up against that. Because to me, it wasn't just an uprising against police violence. It was an uprising against gentrification. It was an uprising against homelessness in the city. It's an uprising against, you know, not people not having a living wage. Like people are just fed up. And I guess I just want to know, like, what are the specific conversations around, like, how do we address these issues in ways that um, people are going to be able to feel as though they're they're seeing changes? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like overnight or straightforward. But you know, mm -hmm. for example, in response to you know like the evictions that are happening um, right now related to COVID or during the pandemic, 
there's a new organization that sprouted up, Central Ohio Housing Action Network, and we invited them to one of our community events. They're doing that like canvassing, that deep engagement that Jordan was describing, talking mm -hmm. to people who are at risk of eviction, making sure they understand their rights. Now, to me, like that's a really, that's a good example because that gets you like a volunteer base of people who are learning how to speak directly to folks in the community about a particular policy issue that also will become more informed about a particular policy area. And that then can be spokespeople for policy advocacy to people that are in positions of power about, you know, reflecting the needs of that community that they're directly engaging with. That to me is like, kind of the ecosystem that that we're looking for so like Columbus stand up for example you know we invited them when we we just did well, our last community dinner of the season was at in driving park and working with rickenbacker woods um learning center and they wanted they uh, the director of that said you know one of the most important issues is housing stuff so i'm like okay cool mm -hmm. let's invite central Ohio housing action network let's get the resources here and because we've had the the setting of like we're having a dinner it's a thing they also blasted out to their list and yep. we had elected officials that showed up to that and i don't think you know actually that was an example where they weren't there because they're on the ballot actually you know some that were there don't even have an opponent for the election but when you have a community member that's saying, oh, we're doing this thing and we're talking about what's important to our community, they are gonna show up, right? Mm -hmm. But if that dinner's not happening, then they're not necessarily showing up. So creating that forum is one example where like, that is a visual reminder of like, mm -hmm. yo, like we're watching, we're watching you, here's what's happening to us and we need you to be addressing these issues. It's not just gonna be an election time thing. Um, so, you know, but we have to get people who are, you know, more and more fluent in how to discuss these policy issues to then take that to the specific elected officials and demand the legislative changes that we're looking for um, to address what's going on. But that's at every level of government. So that's where I'm like, it's not, it's not easy, but we need that at the city level, at the state level, at the federal level. And unfortunately we have become quite disconnected from the political process, but I think that's changing and accelerating. And that's where like actions over the summer that start to spark that in people that, you know, I think it was a reminder for, or like a wake up call for people of like, wow, when we come together, it, it does have an impact. And then we'll further further push people to keep organizing that way, uh, and and I think be leaders to change the whole direction of the city and, and ultimately our country. Right, and I think we need um, innovation, right, in the ways that we're thinking about how to solve social problems. Sometimes I think the problem with politicians is like they get in their seat and they're there and they don't have to innovate anymore they can just kind of like skate by but there are so many people in our community that have innovative ideas about how to create social change I mean we're in a city with several universities with brilliant people it's like how do we empower you know, all of those groups of, of people and even the people that aren't in those spaces, but they have a great idea because maybe they're experiencing homelessness or they're experiencing, you know, living in a food desert. Like what are the ways that they specifically think that they can, you know, work to to change the way that a system is working against, you know, them? So I just I'm hopeful for the future because I do see, like I said, a lot of innovation happening around social problems here in the city. Yeah, and that complacency connects to gerrymandering that Jordan was talking about. It's like, mm -hmm. and the one party rule, it, you know, it, it works on both sides. We talk a lot about at the state level with Republicans being in charge, but it can also breed complacency when Democrats are in charge. And that's why it's really important to have fairer districts that then incentivize having some, you know, fire under your head. To put it bluntly, because like you do have a threat of like a really competitive race, and 
it's just, it, you know, I said a lot during the campaign, but it continues to be very interesting to me that this country, in theory, was founded on this idea, you know, of competition and the market and all this stuff. But we would, one, get away from that entirely in our economic marketplace, if we're being honest. And in our political sector, we're just going to be like, oh, well, we don't want it to be like too challenging. Like you go here, you have this turf, you have this turf, and we'll all be okay. It's like, really? That's the American way? That's innovation? That's, you know, all like how we have the startup culture and all this thing? Well, you know, in reality, it's all kind of nonsense. A lot of people don't actually want that. They just want to hoard power. But I do believe that regular people, I agree with you, Tria, it's like super innovative, want to collaborate, want to, you know, toss new ideas out there, want to have a fair shot. And so mm -hmm. a lot about, you know, the political revolution or whatever that we're talking about is like opening up space for real the the values of our real community to have the freedom to actually be in charge and run things and change the dynamic and that you know that's really exciting to me as well yeah i'm so glad you said that i'm not gonna go there's something is like at the tip of my tongue i'm not gonna say it though um but it's about Kanye. Uh, oh, but when I yoga, your favorite. <laughs> yeah, just, just leave that. Just leave that. Word. I but, am curious just, though when you just throw out, it could be about uh, Kanye. What could that be? <laughs> um, there's a lot of people that private I island party. Oh, say it again. I miss was he that. actually on the private island? I didn't see any pictures of him on the island. For yeah, I didn't see any pictures either. Oh. He was he was with Joe Rogan. So at Kim's birthday party, she was saying yeah. that he get invited to Kim's birthday party. I don't blame her. I wouldn't have invited him either. What, husband or not? Okay, no. My question. <laughs> Thompson was there though. I, I did have a real question. There's been a lot of people that have been disenfranchised with the idea of a two-party system in general. Um, I mean, even in 2020, I'm still arguing with people saying uh, Democrats and Republicans are really the same, and so on and so forth. And I think that there is a thirst and a desire for new. Like, even if it's not new ideas, because I think there's a lot of new ideas that have come with the Democrats, but new branding, if you will. Like, they, they just want some a new leader that they can follow and stuff. What do you guys think about that and, and the fact that we do have a two-party system? And even here in Columbus, where it's not really even a two-party system, it's like a one-party system, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, and Morgan... Morgan also can speak to this. So that goes back to even the point that she just made. And as somebody, and she knows, is working on the inside and seeing what she was doing on the outside, um, trying to bring real issues to the table and make Democratic voters pay attention to that, even in the face of them understanding that they have this one-party rule candidate who has been there for so many years and who has not really been challenged that much. Um, I definitely just think we need to understand that, like, hey, there, and this is what I was talking about earlier. There is a clear generational divide that's taking place at this point between young people of color, young black people, young people who are queer, uh, young women, et cetera, between us and then, you know, you have a lot of the older folks who are within this, this same party or the same two-party mindset. And I think we as young people have to make it clear that I'm not saying that Republican, young Republicans or something are also going to, you know, they're on the same page with us or anything like that. I'm just saying for young people who care about progressive values, who really want to advocate for solutions for our community that are deeply rooted in, in addressing the systemic issues in our community, I just think we have to understand that getting to that point where we have a new brand, getting to that point where we have new leadership is not going to be easy. We can't demand this overnight, but we have to work for it at the same time. And I think that starts 
with empowering people locally who are really about that and starting from there. Obviously, we have people nationally like AOC who are who who essentially is going to be very much so um, kind of the 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 spirit of that or the or the physical embodiment of that for our generation. But again, I just think I just think it's about all of us understanding that we have to challenge the status quo wherever it may be, especially if it is not lived up to its so-called promise. And I think we have to be honest about the fact that a lot of old school democratic politicians, old school politicians in general, and this entire two-party rule in this country is a very old school antiquated way to keep people honestly pitted against each other within a very narrow mind of ideals that are not going to solve the issues that we are talking about in 2020. And I just think it's going to take all of us to collectively start to realize that and operate in that and be critical of, of institutions, of establishment folks, of people who are of this mindset that we don't have to go out and do more and go beyond and, and dream bigger and advocate for bigger things. I, think, I just think we have to be honest and have conversations and challenge those folks. But at what point do you say we want to have that third party or fourth party or fifth party and et cetera? Well, I mean, it is kind of happening, you know, you look at like Working Families Party. So I don't know if you've seen on mm-hmm. social media, but they're I've making a big text messages from them. Oh, you get text messages? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like in New York, you know, they have this whole campaign about getting people to, yes, vote for the Democratic ticket, but on the mm-hmm. Working Families line. Mm-hmm. And so because that that will show and demonstrate that there is support for the platform and they have an actual platform of issues, you know, and their people's agenda and what a lot of their candidates commit to in order to get that endorsement, they will, that will demonstrate proof of concept and support for that. So, you know, that's still operating within the structure of, yes, the Democratic Party, but like clearly defining uh, a different and a policy driven definition of like, you know, type of Democrat. So, you know, in New York, New York side alone there, I mean, Rhode Island had several candidates that won this cycle on a part of a working family slate. Um, Pennsylvania, they've had a lot of traction in having more working families party candidates run. So I, I think that is probably the most realistic way, Malcolm, to get at what you're talking about, uh, because you know it's just very difficult to win as a true third party candidate. But running as a Democrat with you know, a specific policy platform, I think there is, there is a real hunger you know what you're saying? Like people are kind of fed up with this, you know, just the same old choices and not feeling like either party is necessarily speaking to policy. And that's where I think a lot of young people are at. Young people are focused on policy and don't care as much about, you know, whether or not we've known your name for a long time or, you know, what your affiliation is. It's like, well, what are you actually going to do to address all this craziness that is going on? And we look ahead at our lives. It's like, this isn't, you know, it's not looking that great. Right. So, um, I, but I, I do think, you know, operating within the context of the Democratic Party is, is probably the best route. And then, you know, in just in Ohio, I think there's a real opportunity to build statewide as well. We have a lot of people across the state. Um, I, it sometimes can feel like maybe you keep bouncing into the same types of people in Columbus that are either willing to talk about this or, you know, very vocal about it. But then you start multiplying that across the state. And that's been one interesting thing. And Jordan can certainly speak to that too, um, where there's a, there's a lot of folks across the state that are starting to, you know, build these types of grassroots movements and run as, you know, different types of candidates, most of them Democrat, but, um, but you know, not exclusively. And there's some libertarians I, out I there wanna, too. I want to speak to something that Jordan said that like really resonated with me. Like, 
Well, there definitely being like a big divide between like the older generation and our generation. Um, I feel like even when I've been in conversations with folks who are older, who are like Democrat, you know, they're like diehard Democrats. Like you try to bring up, you know, a different point of view or like even <laughs> be critical of the party. And it's just like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like you just haven't been alive long enough. Like Bruh. you like there were, you know, the conversations around um, people's critique about Joe Biden and the crime bill. I feel like mm. there are great conversations substantive conversations that you can have about that right but it's like in 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 places where i've been it, it's just like well you were only seven in in 1994 and and you didn't know what it was like out here on the streets like people needed that and da, 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 da. and i get that point my point is is don't dead the conversation because you feel as though somebody's that hasn't been a long hasn't been alive long enough or you think they're trying to be disrespectful or whatever, because in our culture, I think there really is a lot of like, you must always respect your elders. And if you don't, you kind of just get written off as like, you're, you know, just somebody not to listen to because you're not staying in your lane. But I, I think that we need to create more room for like critical dialogue. Mm -hmm. We need to create more room for people to be challenged. I mean, even in Morgan's particular case, like I was around for, you know, watching from the sidelines, some of those exchanges go down and it felt like, well, how dare you run against me? Or how dare mm -hmm. this, this, this woman come in and, and be young and be running against someone who has, you know, been doing work in this city for decades. It's kind of like I just want to see more of an openness to people having dissenting views without being made to feel like, you know, their opinion doesn't matter just because they haven't been alive for 60 years. And well, I feel I think, like that is a huge problem. Yeah, I think to touch on that, um, that, that there's a lot of real interesting things to unpack from just that point alone. Um, I think one of the few things that one of the things that we can touch on to talk about with that is the idea that we as a people need to understand that we can't let people come to us. And even, you know, this is old folks. This is the Democratic Party I'm talking about. We can't let folks come to us and, and have this attitude like we owe them every single bit of loyalty and every single bit of just respect and we get nothing in return. Mm -hmm. We cannot let people approach our community like that and try to earn our votes in that way. And I think as a system, I think systemically, that attitude and that mindset and that just sort of assumption ha is there for a lot of people in a lot of places. And this is, mm -hmm. again, when you're talking about young people not having this same romantic relationship and it's been empirically driven, like a lot of people growing up now have seen nothing but either President Obama or Donald Trump um, as the president. And so they're very complacent in, in their idea of these are the two parties. This is not like both of them are equally able to be crit uh, criticized because we clearly mm -hmm. saw what happened in 2016 with Hillary Clinton and how, how that candidacy went and what that represented. So I think what we have to understand as a people is that we cannot let people come to us and, and try to force our hand in saying that we have all this loyalty and, 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 and all this respect for them and we can't criticize them when they, give, when they don't want to give half of that in return. And I think we have to be honest when you are dealing with people like that who have that mindset 
whether they're running behind one party or the other, that that's not going to fly, that you're going to have to earn our votes and that it really doesn't matter who you are or what you've done in the past. And if I want to bring up your record and talk about it contextually, I can do so. And that's not me, you know, cursing you or damning you or anything like that or writing you off. That's us having an honest conversation and me making it clear to you as a voter and as a member of this community and us as a community making it clear that I will be that I will support you. I will get behind you. I will believe I will believe what you have going on. But do not ever try to approach me and act as though that I'm just supposed to have this unwavering loyalty. And how dare I ever challenge anything that you have going on as a system or an institution? That is the number one thing that young black people have been trying to communicate with institutions on both sides, but mainly the Democratic. Party mm-hmm. because that is where most of our community resides. And I think we need to continue to make that clear to everybody um, that that is not an attitude that we can, that, that's going to be sustainable for any party going forward. Right, right. And I think, you know, we do need these older people. We do need people who are kind of in the old guard because they have, they do have valuable wisdom. And one of, you know, the things that I've seen um, in activism circles is is that that is lacking. Like it is lacking having like those older, like sage figures that when there's things going on that are just like interpersonal things, right? Like somebody to say like, hey, like let me mediate here. Like I don't see that. And I, I want so I so I guess what I'm saying is, is I want people to recognize like we do still need you. Nobody's trying to discard you and get rid of you. But like at what point do you say what I'm doing is no longer serving the people in the way that it needs to serve and I need to go into a different position? I can still be helpful. I can still be in the community. I can still, you know, have a voice, but I just need to like move over a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to be. <laughs> us having those conversations and moving on. I think that has to be with the peer group or funders that are going to be pushing those conversations in all honesty. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I agree with you in that. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's an either or. And I, I do think that we need to make room for hearing from, you know, elders and, and, and not all elders are monolithic either, by the way. Right. I mean, you know, there's plenty no, of people that are. have that activist spirit that, you know, definitely sick of the status quo that see all the issues with just going along to get along. And, you know, some of them, I, I'd say have been like very supportive of, of me and, and what I stand for. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really focused on building like multi-generational coalitions because one, that's we just need like, that. yeah. Right. It's like that is our actual community. And also that is you, you need that to to win. So mm-hmm. that's pretty important, too. So let me ask you guys this, because um, we are running down on time. But, you know, we've been talking um, all of these conversations have kind of surrounded uh, around the idea that Joe Biden and Kamala are going to win next Tuesday. And hopefully they do. But what if they don't? Like, what comes next in the event that either the election is undecided after Tuesday and, you know, it's a long, dramatic um, drag-out, like, decision, or worse, if 45, like, stays, you know? What do we do in that case? Because we've been telling people, you know, go vote, go vote, go vote. We have to get this out. You know, what do we do in the aftermath of that? Well, I will say... Um, again, to address the premise of it, that over three quarters of a million people, and this is as of yesterday, over three quarters of a million people, double over double that by this point in 2016, have early voted in person. 
um, over double the amount of people have requested and have already submitted. Mind you, there's still quite a few that are out there. Um, there are over double the amount of people from 2016 that have done their absentee ballots. So we're breaking records as a state, and I'm definitely holding out hope um, that not only Ohio will, will, will go blue for Joe Biden, but um, um, that he'll win uh, nationally as well, obviously. But I think in, in, in the event that somehow you know, 45 is able to hold on and that we oh polls that, that, that are coming out are once again wrong. Um, I think we honestly, as a community have to have an honest conversation about the state of our democracy and the effectiveness mm-hmm. of the political class that we have been keeping up with and that we have been following, uh, mm-hmm. for our entire lives. I think we have to question the fact, um, that again, you're, you're seeing in this country still, unprecedented amounts of voter suppression that are seen nowhere else in the developed world. I think America is going to have to have an honest conversation with itself about, you know, how effective are we truly as a democracy or how effective are we as the supposed uh, presumptuous leader of the world. And I think if, if you have eight years of President Trump at this point, you're really going to have to look at America as it stands in the world and really like ask ourselves, like, are we really this country that's really built for all this? Are people really embracing this message that lines more so with fascism than it does anything else? Like we have to ask ourselves that. So yeah, there's going to be like people who will be marching. People will be protesting. People will be uh, very much so standing up because they understand like this is the worst point for our country so far as it is concerned as to how, we the people express our discontent with leadership and we the people have the power to then remove that leadership to the, through a democratic process. I think if that effort fails and if 45 is able to hold on, um, I think a lot of people are going to look at that and, and take advantage of that opportunity to say, like, we, we're going to have to challenge this entire system and uh, do so uh, by taking to the streets and by continuing again to do what we're doing in our communities to challenge the system as a whole. And I guess I, w- I would sort of hope that even if he loses, that reckoning happens. Uh, mm-hmm. Because one thing that we have coming out of the protests is, is this honesty of, you know, pretty much we've been fed a false bill of goods. And I think even a lot of Black folks are waking up to, are willing to like speak honestly about that in public, right? Even though, yeah, okay, you would talk about your family as like, oh, we're starting, you know, like behind, you know, white people 50 yard line We're you know, I don't know, whatever. I'm not good with this word analogies, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right though. You're right. right. Those, these weren't like, I, if you asked me five years ago, would I be on a podcast? Like talking about my political views, like, five I'm like hell ago. no, I need a job. Like I can't, you know what I mean? I can't be on, 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 on record saying like certain things. Um, and that, but, and that like, has a little bit point, to like, Trump, but it's not, not a, not a lot, right? No, it no, it has more to to do that. Like Trump is just the representation of a lot of bullshit, right? Like he, he we have to ask ourselves, how did a person like this even get elected to be president? First of all, um, and it's been like the last four years has been horrible. We can all admit that, but it, there has been some inconvenient and uncomfortable truths that have been uncovered that we knew were already there, right? Like we as black people knew that, that there were certain things that still existed in this country, but he has truly brought those things to the surface for the reckoning that we need to like move forward as a country in, in the ways that, you know, are best for the people, for all the people who live here. Yeah, I, 
I think so. I, and so that's where I, I want Trump to lose. And, and we, mm -hmm. we need to be focused on that because, you know, like Jordan was alluding to, I mean, he, he probably will try to challenge it <clears throat> if, if he feels like it's going in that direction. Luckily, there's a lot of national mobilization around the strategy to counter that. And it does involve and starts with people just being in the streets to say, we're not going to stand for that. But once, you know, we get that situation sorted out, hopefully, because he hasn't, um, he hasn't won, and we have Joe Biden, you know, there are, there are many, many things that we need to be continuing to organize around and calling, calling him out on and in the administration. And some of those decisions are being made right now. Who will be in charge of economic policy to, to chart out what this recovery will look like for folks who are still struggling with everything that's going on with COVID? What will the healthcare approach be? Uh, what will the, the approaches to address systemic racism, what will that look like? Climate change. It's like all the issues remain. And so, um, you know, yes, like we got to get rid of Trump. And, you know, this is something I know we talked about in the last conversation, but that reckoning, that reckoning was overdue in, mm -hmm. in the beginning of 2020. And it will still remain at the end of 2020. And I think it's something that we're going to be grappling with for the next couple of years to figure out, like, are we actually going to be about what this country has said it claims to be about? Or are we going to continue to be full of, you know, what? And that last point about that reckoning, actually, like I had a similar conversation with um, with a white woman who I actually had to, like, kind of collect in a way and let her know because she was. Uh, <laughs> he said, no, I mean, it's real. Like, and, I mean, and this isn't just like. <laughs> I, obviously, I ain't gonna sit up here and be transparent and say, you know, who, what, when, where, why. But essentially, um, when the Proud Boys and when all those folks were were marching in, not too far from here in, in New Albany, and then when they had that little uh, car rally up and down 71 or whatever. Um, or when was, they uh, came here to decide how to kidnap Governor Gretchen ex Whitmer exactly, in Dublin. Exactly. There, was a, there was a white woman on my timeline who was like, I can't wait to vote for Joe Biden. And, you know, after we get him elected, you know, those folks are going to go away. And I, I just really sat there dumbfounded. And I'm just like, Ooh, send me well, that. I don't know what reality she's living in. But, you know, Black people have been dealing with multitudes of versions and variations of the Proud Boys for what, Malcolm, 419-something years? It feels like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, straight like that. Like, we've no, been literally. dealing with these people. These ain't going, they ain't going away just because Joe Biden <laughs> is sitting up here saying, what kind of And they had kids, so they just be concealing it. They taught yeah, their like, kids the same like, foolishness and racism. Exactly. And, yeah. the, and another thing that we have to remember, and this is, again, going to what Morgan is saying, which is the fact that the work has to start now. It has to start on Election Day. It has to start afterwards, um, regardless of whether 45 is stealing elections and staying there or not, is we honestly have to have an honest conversation with ourselves about are we going to, in a democratic way, be able to get to the root of why people are suffering and why there's poverty in this country, even though, you know, this country claims to be the greatest in the world and, and lives up to all these values? Or are we going to continue to let bullies and continue to let corporatists, neoliberals or neo-fascists kind of control us? And I think as Black people, um, we have to be vigilant because now more than ever, like, we are at a tipping point. You know, everybody mm -hmm. says this. Everybody, you know, everybody makes fun of their parents and is like, they always thought this was like the most important time. Like, now nah, it really is the most important time right now. Like, we're mm -hmm. literally on the verge of an ecological crisis. We're literally living in a pandemic that I don't think any of us saw taking up our 30s or 20s. Um, and honestly, <laughs> like, we're at a point right now where we cannot be playing games. So, nah. no, you know, Trump going away is not going to solve a lot of these issues, um, but very much so it, it, it's going to mark 
a new beginning um, in this country on how and, and how we respond to that is really going to determine the fate of a lot of people's lives. And we all have to understand that this is bigger than just us. Both of y'all were talking about like a reckoning and in my mind, you know, I'm a, a big uh, proponent of the idea that you can't heal what you never reveal. And, you know, last election, I kind of jinxed like a, well, I don't know if I jinxed America, but I said like, yo, I'm so thankful for, <laughs> for Trump, you know, coming out here and exposing all these negative things. And he actually did the country a favor, you know, because now it's all out in the open, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and when Hillary comes in and all the Democrats or blah, 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 I was wrong. Anyways, like, I agree with you in saying that a lot of things have been revealed to us. And I think that there's opportunity for us to be even more honest about where we are. Um, on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago, I had posted this video of Trip, And he was basically saying, yo, like, stop telling people that black people were killed because they were trying to vote. Like, they were killed before they were trying to vote. They were killed after they were trying to vote. They were killed because they were black. And for no other reason beyond that, because they were black. And it's like, there were people that came to me and they chastised me. It was like, oh, you're telling people not to vote, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we just need to have these honest conversations. We need to have that reckoning that both of you guys are talking about and, and really discuss it. Because if we aren't honest about it, then we're not going to be able to heal, you know? So people I were, appreciate both of y'all saying though, that. Literally first, literally just trying to get on the voter roll so i saw that and i agree with what he said but i also do think like there were literally people who were literally killed like for putting their name on a voter roll and then they but were out of here people have been killed if they weren't i'm being literal but i'm saying <laughs> oh my god <laughs> there there are literally people who were murdered black people for trying to cast a vote yeah, i mean i think that's like what malcolm is 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 trying to get at and i, I definitely See, like obviously the real standpoint that. is yeah you know what i mean but i, I definitely think it, it's a reflective of the fact that the black experience in this country and escaping anti-blackness is going to like transcend us just voting and trying to pretend as though like us voting is just going to be the only way the only reason why you know voting is why just a tool it's a tool it's just one of the tools it's not going to be the end all be all right exactly so the other piece of this awesome. too is like cutting through the narratives and that's why you know, the fact y'all are doing this podcast, that we have people in positions to like, you know, you, you know, I, don't, I, I post on Instagram, like when I get these local news hits, it's like, not just, oh, yeah, I guess to be on the news. It's like, no, because there is like bullshit that is being spewed every day mm -hmm. by a lot of Republicans <laughs> and others in our state, in our, in our city. And we have to just start cutting that down. And these narratives are going to come fast. They're going to come loose of like, to justify maintaining the status quo, why nothing is possible. It's already starting. Like another narrative mm -hmm. that, you know, I was thinking, I was listening to, I was like, as we talk about economic recovery, that, oh, the only way that we're going to be able to have Black people in a Joe Biden administration in powerful positions um, is if they're coming from large corporations because there's no diversity mm -hmm. anywhere else. And it's like, really? Well, one, that's racist, right? Okay. So it's like, you're saying that we only get uh, credentialed positions in large corporations. We can't be professors. We can't be organizers. We can't be, okay. And also diminishing what that experience means and how it can position you to prepare you to lead in government. So right. this is the kind of stuff though, because then they'll get one corporate person in a job 
and then one black corporate person, I should say, and then everybody else will be a white guy. And it's like, well, what was the problem? That was all we could find. We looked all. And they'll say that one black person was the one opinion that speaks for all of us, which is why they have Lil Wayne up there with Donald Trump. Yeah. Right. And that black Today. person isn't even really advocating for us. That person <laughs> right. is politically right. black. That right? person like... is a multimillionaire and totally <laughs> fine and and divorced from the experiences of most black people yeah. in this country. So I agree with you that we do need to keep pushing back against these narratives and we need to have as many mediums as possible to do that so we really appreciate y'all you and um, that short in the question yeah because we already the most Morgan, important right? question <clears throat> oh the most important question of the night is okay. dun 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 i did that because it's how it's about to be halloween and i wanted to do a scary oh voice. my god uh, <laughs> What? Oh, was that what? a Halloween sound? That, yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't scary. Dun, 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 dun. No, not, not really. Scary. It sounded like a circus. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was a game show. Oh, sorry, I uh, tried. Anyways, Jordan, what is the album that changed your life? Oh, you can't say no, Lil Wayne. No, I wasn't. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I no. Malcolm, you, Malcolm, you and or I are Kanye. the same. We're in the same school of thought when it comes to uh, favorite artists in a lot of ways. Uh, Don't tell people that. I heard Reasonable Doubt Mm. by Jay-Z. The first time Politics as Usual, the first time that beat dropped and I heard that, yeah, that changed changed a lot for me. And I was just like, yeah, this is like, like, this is real stuff. This is real rap. Like, this is real hip hop. So, Is that that your favorite song on my album? Um, Honestly... She, that's an even harder question. I want to say, yeah. It's either wow. that. Yeah, 22 it's, twos it's, for me. Easy. Yeah, that's regrets. up there too. Dang. <laughs> See, why are you regrets asking me that? Now, now I'm having like a million And then can I live? Why can everybody watch me closely? Yeah. presidents, obviously. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah, that album changes. Ah, just, that's why people be like, ask you Lil Wayne the GOAT. Right. I'm just like, yeah, first of all, my GOAT is not doing that. My GOAT, Jay-Z, is not doing that. I and didn't say GOAT. I said Jay-Z favorite. Jay-Z would never. Listen. <laughs> regardless. He said he would at least better, not take a course, picture. His spouse. <laughs> come on, man. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. my favorite. You know, so we already Jay-Z's asked my favorite, but... American Gangster is the album for me. That like that's the slept on album. This yeah, that's the one on that changed album. my life though. Like that, that was my introduction. Oh, okay. yeah, I, I don't know, know how to process this hey. Jay Z album changing lives thing, but okay. <laughs> Morgan, I'm you sorry. gotta. You, you just, have you ever listened to Reasonable Doubt? It's it's Morgan. You not a Jay Z fan? No. She just called in a conversation with two Jay Z stands, so I'm sorry, sorry. Morgan. I'm sorry, I'm not a Jay Z. Jay Z is Morgan. The, what? I I'm not a fan. We can of, talk about uh, it later. I'm not a fan of everything that Jay Z has done, but I have to just go, go oh, into yeah. the lane of music and of like an album like Reasonable Doubt or many of his other albums. My um, mind just because yeah, there's some stuff that I, I I would need to call him to the carpet about. He called himself. He, he don't be calling himself. 444? All right. Even stuff he's done after 444. He has a very black capitalist message now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this. also the early 2000s, not a pro-woman message, but okay. No, you know he did that album with I R. Kelly, him in but 2007, I won't even bring it up. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he regrets the most world's both albums. <laughs> I blame oh, him gosh. for killing romance in my college years. <laughs> Jay Z, for real. <laughs> With big pimping. 
It said, oh, I'll never love you. That was your time. Yeah, that, that was, that was probably a tough time to be in college. Yeah. I'm sorry like, for laughing yeah, at you. Yeah, our life's not going to be like this video. <laughs> right, period. We're Yikes. not about to be on a yacht. I ain't got one funny. Anyway. Well, nah, we appreciate you guys for uh, coming on it and talking to us. It was a, this was really good. Like, I didn't, I was just listening for real, like, taking notes. I wasn't taking notes for real, but I Yeah, was Jordan, um, Malcolm suggested you, and I was like, I don't really know him, but I had to trust Malcolm, which sometimes is hard yeah. for me, you know? I appreciate so. it. She said, I don't really <laughs> know him. Who the hell is I this I trust every week on this podcast, and I don't every know why. Every week I do this. I'm just playing Malcolm. Hey, I, I promise I'm not that much of a... Look, Morgan and Malcolm can vouch for me. I'm a good You're, person. I just got to come around somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I have I have met you once before, and I thought you were great so i was just joking i appreciate or, it <laughs> thank y'all for having to... me i appreciate this, this, morning. this was issues. an honor as well oh yeah. yeah yeah okay so what i will say is like early voting will be open people please make sure you're going i have a website where you can check uh where your where your early vote location is and where your polling location is on election day for all things voting in ohio go to makeitcountohio.com again that's makeitcountohio.com it's an easy very localized ohio-based way to find out where your uh, polling location is and how to go and what your early voting hours are for uh, Monday, um, as well as your election day voting hours as well. Um, lastly, I will say, follow me on Twitter uh, at Jayhawk the Don. Um, again, that's at Jayhawk the Don. Don't laugh at me, Morgan. I will fight you. I've had that name. That was my first Twitter he had handle. That since I'm not AOL. changing it yet. Yeah, right. Like, I had wow. that exactly. I had that joke. <laughs> original. What are you on Instagram? Uh, Jayhawk the Don is <laughs> all over the place. Why clearly. mix it up? Why mix it up? Right. Like, and if you need you a ride to the, the polls, club a stand up, free rides, no questions asked, text or call 614-259-7391. Cool. All right, Lit. y'all. The Don. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change it. You got to give me another, another idea. I don't know. Something. You can be. Cool. Never mind. Don't, don't let them try to change you, Jordan. Nah, I'm going to change you. Word. This is a clip from the 1992 documentary called The Last Party, in which they were talking about the 1992 election. They felt like the world was ending and that this election, everything was at stake. And that's kind of how we felt right now. So we felt like this was topical. Um, so, yeah, enjoy and go check it out. There's um, this, this uh, French phrase, if you don't do politics, politics will do you. And I've got a 16-month-old daughter who's going to have to live in this place after I'm gone. And so uh, to whatever tiny degree, one can do a little bit of reading and get some information out there. Once you start to take a stand and say something is wrong, and I'm going to find out what's wrong, and you think you might pay a price of a month, it it winds up becoming your whole life. And certainly I think one of the most important things that could be pushed for would be a legitimate third party. 